Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. You're Mike. Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. This week, we will be uh, reviewing the following movies, Equalizer 2, uh, My Flick of the Week, Handmaid's Tale, and Mike's The Major League, as well as preview the new Mission Impossible movie and a lot of news and comments about San Diego Comic-Con. And maybe something else. Do we have anything else? You'll know, won't we? Yeah. All right. At some point. <laughs> All right. So uh, are we taking it away, Johnny, anymore? Kind of. Kind of. Take it away, Tommy. <laughs> All right. Take it away, Disney, technically. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, my God. Did you read the thing that Bobcat Goldthwait put on um, on Instagram? I did. That was... Uh, Fuck man, I, I I went to Twitter and put him and made him myself made myself a follower after seeing that shit. Um, damn. Anyway, uh, all right. So my flick of the week is of course The Handmaid's Tale, and it's based off a 1985 novel from uh, Margaret At- Margaret Atwood. All right. Uh, the show is on Hulu. It's a Hulu original um, series. Uh, it's got a Rotten Tomatoes uh, approval rating of 93 percent. Uh, it just finished the second season, which uh, ran for 13 episodes. It uh, finished uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, first season, which is... Oh, I'm only going to do the review on the first season because I've only seen the first episode of the second season. Um, I don't know. Maybe you should do a summary for those that haven't seen the movie yet or the TV show. Well, eventually, but I didn't have it in front of me. All right. So anyway, yeah, it's ba- based on what I've already <laughs> said, the best-selling novel by Margaret Atwood. This series is set in Gilead, a totalitarian society in what used to be part of the United States. Um, so, yeah, it's set in some undisclosed future, but I think it's like a, an alternate version of pretty much now uh, in a way. And so, yeah, they call it Gilead. Um, what it is is these... Um, God. A rebellious faction came about, um, a totalitarian uh, theo-economic, theonomic or something like that um, uh, group uh, pretty much wanted to change things uh, and run the uh, United States the way they wanted to because in this alternate future, uh, fertility rates have gone down in the country. Um, They've gone down so drastically that most women um, don't get pregnant at all anymore, and the ones that do, most of them have miscarriages very early on. So there's only um, a very select few women that do. Um, And this group's um, reasoning for why women are becoming fertile is because of sin, and uh, you know uh, STDs and promiscuity and and things related to that sort. Uh, so anyway, they take over the government. Now they don't. The mo- the show just pretty much starts right in the middle of the shit. Uh, but it does do flashbacks. It does flashbacks to before the war started, and also right immediately after the war, or a few years after the war, when um, these women called handmaids are being trained to become. They're pretty much uh, human incubators for these uh, the guys that run the country called commanders. And the commanders are these guys that wear suits, and they, they pretty much dictate the law of the land in a way. So, Well, not in a way, but all the way. And it's fucking crazy. It's absolutely freaking crazy, man. Um, so uh, the main character which is played by um, Elizabeth Moss, who, you know, she was on uh, Girl Interrupted and Mad Men. Uh, her character, um, for most of the show so far, her character's name is Offred. Well, I don't know, I'll explain that in a moment, but uh, her real name is June. And it starts off with her and her husband and her daughter escaping for some reason. You don't know why yet. 
but they're running and their car breaks down. They start running through the woods, and you believe you hear the husband get shot. Uh, but you're not sure because you didn't see it happen. You just hear gunshot, gunfire. And she runs off with her daughter in the woods, and these military guys capture her and her daughter. Next thing you know, her daughter's gone from her, and she wakes up in this facility with, with these other girls that are being trained to be, what, what are, like I said, what are called handmaids. And so, and so they, they're being trained by, um, by people that are called ants, like, you know, uncles and aunts. Um, and they're, and each, each division of women that they're separated into, they wear a different color to portray what their, their class is in the society. Ants wear brown. Um, the wives of commanders wear blue and, and turquoise, um, maybe a tealish color. Um, there's Marthas, which they're, the ones that take care of the household, like, uh, you know, cooking, cleaning, and all that stuff like that. Um, and uh, there's uh, there's unwomen. Unwomen are women that were too rebellious to become handmaidens or they can't have, have children anyway. And they get sent, or, sent to what are called colonies. And the colonies is where they do toxic waste cleanup with no safety precautions at all. So they eventually, it's a death sentence. When they're sent there, you, you know you're going to die. Um, because they're... they're, they're they haven't just gone into details yet, but pretty much the gist is there's there was nuclear fallout, and th- these ladies are now cleaning up at these sites. Um, but uh, there's also a thing called uh, Jezebels, and Jezebels are part of a secret prostitution um, sect that the the commanders can go to at any time they want, and um, and live out their um, sinful fantasies and things like that. Um, this is a very uh, m- like male-based society where it's hierarchical, and um, they use uh, religion as an excuse to control everybody. And uh, the women fall in line because if you don't, you you're punished most extremely. You you if you give any sass back, if you if you don't agree, if you you know you're not allowed to read anything, and if you do bad. There's the consequences are losing a finger, losing a hand, losing an eyeball, um, being sent to the colonies, um, things like that. Um, there's even one thing that um, that can happen is where you have a, um, a female circumcision, which do you know what that is? I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that happens in this uh, series as well, and it's fucked up, of course, um, especially the fact that it still happens in the world today. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, the um, there are some standout characters on this show. Um, it's just every episode is so compelling. It's like it's one of those shows where you just like, okay, one more episode, right? Or okay, I'll watch the first ten minutes of the next episode. Next thing you know, you watch the whole goddamn episode again, right? Uh, the ants. One of the main character, um, the main ant is played by Ann Dowd. Her character's name is Aunt Lydia. Uh, she is most memorable from uh, playing one of the head of the smoker cult in the Leftovers television series on HBO. Um, she was really good on that show, and she's even better on this one. Um, before even looking anything up about her, I um, I was like, dude, this is she is doing Emmy winning material here. Her performance is just you love to hate her because she is so brainwashed into believing what she's doing is right but there's also a human side to her where she cares about these girls that she's training and so she stands up for them as long as they don't fuck with her back and 
um, I have this wish for her character on the show. And my wish is this. What if she's training these women and she's being really, really hard on them so that they can survive out in these situations that they're in because otherwise they're fucked. And I'm really hoping that. I, I'm, I'm waiting to see if, the, if there's like, if she's like the Severus Snape of the series. You know what I mean? Um, and because that's how damn good her character is and how well she's performed by Ann Dowd. I, I just, I'm like just in awe of her acting. That's how good she is. Um, but, uh, of course, uh, Elizabeth Moss, she's the main character of Alfred. Uh, the reason why her name is, I'm sorry, of Fred, is because the handmaids don't have a name anymore. They're named after their commanders that they live with in their homes. So her, her commander is Fred Watterson, um, who is played by Joseph Fiennes. And uh, that's why she's of Fred. So, um, And pretty much what it is is every month when she's ovulating... Uh, she has to go into the bedroom of, of, of Fred and um, the wife holds her down by her arms and, you know, in a supporting kind of way. And the husband goes and does his business and they repeat that until she gets pregnant. And once they're pregnant, they're treated like royalty for the most part, uh, as long as they don't do too many, they don't do anything out of line, but they, all their wants and needs are technically taken care of. So if they, they actually want to have um, f- any kind of food they want or, you know, go out and experience things, um, they can for the most part. Uh, but it's the struggles of, of Elizabeth Moss's character and the other um, handmaids that she deals with when you find out there's like this rebellious faction um, that's, um, they're, they're under this uh, code name called Mayday, which is, um, and they haven't fully gone into what that is yet, but it's, um, they're, they're very, it's, it's kind of like, when you don't know if someone is a certain thing, so you kind of do mild little teeny hints just to get a feel for if they are a rebel or not kind of things. Those are the things that go on during this series um, with Elizabeth Moss's character. She's trying to figure out, like, if she should join this group. And, you know, because every, every bad decision she makes, the, the chance of her getting killed is, is, I mean, it's right around the corner. So, um, and she's trying to find her daughter and things like that. And so... Um, so what the show does is you have the main storyline, which is set like, you know, the main events. Then you have the flashbacks to when before the war happened where there's already these hints of things changing. Like women are already becoming infertile and everything, but there's like this weird shit. Like, for example, her daughter got sick in school one day and she she goes to school. The, she leaves work and goes to the school to pick her daughter up. And all of a sudden the lady, the, the representative at the hospital starts asking her all these questions. And it pretty much is that she wanted to find out, oh, did you just give your daughter fever medication just so that she could go to school so you can go to work? And just making making um, Elizabeth Moss, uh, Moss feel like this uh, bad parent, like like just scolding her in a way, right? And it was um, children, and the lady would say some things like, children are our most important thing in this world now, and they need to be treated by parents that know how to take care of them properly and all this shit. I mean, just like, you want to fucking just reach through the TV and punch this motherfucker, right? Um, how condescending she's talking. Uh, things like that. You see, you notice all these, she's noticing all these changes that are happening on the show um, in this environment that she's in. And then it cuts to her training, which her training that she's going through when Aunt Lydia is training her and all the other uh, handmaidens that have been picked. And... Uh, so you get to see um, the shit that she goes through because at first she's very defiant 
and she pays for it. And there's other characters that pay for it even worse, like one loses an eye and things like that. Um, and you see how there's other handmaidens that, that react to the whole situation differently than others. And it's just, you're watching this, and, and I get, like, fucking pissed off, you know, the way that these, these, these women are being treated. And uh, in a way, it seems very um, apropos to our environment right now. It's like a, an extremely exaggerated version of, of the fears that people have about the Trump administration in a way. There's a lot of things I'm noticing that kind of parallel in like extreme ways of it. Um, like we're the direction we could go in, you know what I mean? Right. So um, it, this is a fascinating show. Um, it's dark, it's gloomy, but there are, the, but the, the thing that sells this really well, besides all those other things I already said, is that because there's all this doom and gloom, Every once in a while, something hopeful pops up, and when it does, it makes you smile, and it keeps you invested in what's going on because you know that there's going to be some kind of payoff. There's going to be a shitload of tragedy, but you know that something good's going to happen, and you enjoy it all that much more and because of it. So I highly recommend The Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale. Um, I'm, I'll finish watching season two soon, um, and then season three has already been authorized. The show has, uh, the first season, because the second season hasn't ended yet, or just ended, the first season won um, all, like a shitload of Emmys and Golden Globes for Best Dramatic Series, and, and Anne Dowd, she won um, for uh, for uh, Supporting Actress um, on a TV series for playing Aunt Lydia, uh, which highly deserved. And uh, yeah, I think Elizabeth Moss also won, because yeah, I mean, this is just a killer show. Absolutely. And it's a, it's an eye-opener. Um, to watch. So, Handmaid's Tale. That's all I got. Huh. Um, Major League. <laughs> the new owner of the Cleveland Indians, former showgirl Rachel Phelps, has a sweetheart deal to move the team to Miami. But to break the lease with the city of Cleveland, ticket sales have to plummet. It, look, the, the whole idea behind that entire... Setup mm-hmm. is is bullshit. Did you read the alternate um, storyline they had with that? I don't care about the alternate storyline. It's kind of cool. It goes with. I know, but it, I, I don't. It's no, I didn't um, because I just there. Okay, first and foremost, you know how you think it's bullshit. There's an alternate storyline that they they were going to add instead, and then they thought that that was more bullshit than this one. Well, see, here's the whole problem. You can't just do that. That's the problem mm-hmm. with... The the entire problem with this movie starts from the get-go, which is... They're shitty. <laughs> moving the Cleveland Indians to Miami. First and foremost, you have to get permission from baseball. You have to get permission from... Not not just baseball. You have to get permission from the owners. Then you, you also have to have uh, a place in Miami. You have to... Everything about this movie, well, not everything. Contrived? 80% of this movie, <laughs> when it comes to actual baseball stuff, yeah. is bullshit. So even in 1989, it was still that difficult to, to move a team? You can't move a team at all unless you get permission. Oh, okay. Well, I remember at the beginning of the movie, she was saying something about uh, that she's already you know made a deal with uh, Miami, something in Miami. It doesn't matter if you made a deal. You have to get permission from the owners to do this. Yeah. Um, there's been a few exceptions, like uh, the Baltimore Colts moving to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, or Al in Davis. The, in the dead <laughs> of the night. But you still have to get permission 
from from the owners basically to do all of that stuff. So you're saying that the ticket admission dropping below a certain point for the entire year is just a gimmick made for the movie only? Is garbage. Okay, well, I mean, I, I can buy that for a movie. You know what I mean? I, I it doesn't bother me. It's bullshit. And they they should they could have done it in a much better way instead uh-huh. of oh you know we're gonna we're gonna field a team of a bunch of incompetent n- n- knuckleheads who've mm-hmm. never played baseball before which the union would have never allowed. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to have an owner that wants to move the team to Miami without any permission from baseball other than you know um, she she may have a she may have a place in Miami but she wants to move to Miami. Uh-huh. Um, you have an owner who um, continually uh, degrades the players, which again the union and Major League Baseball would have never um, have dealt with. It's because she wants to escape Cleveland. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the the park, the bus, the plane, which are all unsafe, would have never passed. Uh-huh. Um, she would have been fined. Um, and I'm just I'm just going off of before I even go into my review of the movie. You sound like Gene Siskel fucking reviewing this, dude. I don't. It doesn't matter. Um, all all of the stuff mm-hmm. that you see in the movie that's supposed to make the lives of baseball players even worse, yeah, would never have worked. Uh-huh. Uh huh. First, f- first and foremost, um, just just the bus and the plane in and of itself. She would have been subjected to uh, massive fines and possibly losing the team. Uh-huh. So the player, do they uh, does baseball have a players' association? Yeah, the union. Okay. And and on top of that, um, there, there's there's like a whole lot of inconsistencies. But my my favorite part of this whole movie, I hope there's something you enjoyed about it. I, I like the movie. Okay, good. My favorite part of this whole movie is the fact that Wesley Snipes' character, <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes. Is so they show him running. So I I don't know what. A couple weeks ago, I had read something. It just came across. You know, was it was trivia from Major League, right? Uh And it said all of the scenes that Wesley that shows Wesley Snipes running had to be had had to do they had to do a retake on it because he's not that fast. Uh He's very slow. And um, they, of course, they they made it look like. Oh yeah, they did. They made it look like it was running really fucking fast. Right, and on well, on top of that, um, they slowed. They did a lot of um, uh, slow motion stuff with him mm. when he was sliding or when he was running. Yeah, because he's awful. Anyways, um, just like with um, uh, Whiteman can't jump. Uh, Woody Harrelson's a much better basketball player than uh, Wesley Snipes was. Yeah, Wesley Snipes is not an athletic person. Yeah, he's a martial artist, but he's not. Yeah, he's yeah. Not athletic. I mean, athlete, that's what I mean in yeah. terms of sports other than martial arts. Yeah. But even then, he's just really slow. Mm-hmm. Um, he's short, probably because he's short, too. Mm, no. It's just some people are naturally can, can do that. They're just faster than, than most people. Um, it, it Also, you have to really work at being fast. There's, there's tricks to do it. Um, there's... There's ways to improve your speed over time, and but regardless, I mean, it's it's just it's acting. Um, I don't care if I ever hear Wild Thing again. <laughs> Only in this movie. That's it. No. Only in this movie. Nope. <laughs> that that song annoyed me in the movie. Did it? It still annoys me to this day. It's it's fucking horrendous. Even the part at the end when they call him out 
to win the game. It's and, garbage. And the fucking crowd it's just goes fucking, nuts. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> I hate that song. Apparently. Just like when Margaret Whitten goes, God, I hate this fucking song. Yeah, but <laughs> here's here's what I... Uh, like, like the whole Tom Berenger subplot with him getting back together with Rene Russo is, is junk, too. So throwing all that crap out. Yeah. So the bad song and whatever else. Charlie Sheen was actually pretty funny in this movie. And Corbin Burnson. Corbin Burnson was awesome, except until the end. Uh-huh. Uh, strike this motherfucker out, whatever, you know. Um, like, if you call an impromptu uh, meeting at the mound, like a third baseman calls an impromptu meeting at the mound. Yeah. He'll get his ass kicked. That's a big no-no in the major leagues. You're uh-huh. not supposed to do that at all. Uh-huh. So for him to do that was, I mean, it, it's just, there. if you're going to write a movie about baseball and, and make fun of it, that's fine. Yeah. But understand that there are fucking written rules about shit. Yeah. Like when Tom Berenger shows up in, at the park and he's standing there and they have the park, like literally it shows... It shows the baseball field, but it also shows um, um, when they arrived home to Cleveland right on the stadium in and of itself. The very first thing that comes up is not Cleveland Indians. It's Cleveland Browns, uh-huh. which was funny because it's municipal stadium. But they played at um, – the behind the scenes is that they played at uh, – uh, the stadium where the Brewers played at, and then huh. uh, during spring training they played at the stadium where uh, the Cleveland Indians played at, which was actually pretty cool. So they did use some of the Cleveland Indian stuff. So by far the best part of this whole movie is Bob Uecker. Um and then it's everything. And Bob Uecker. What about and Dennis Haysbert? Dennis Haysbert's okay. <laughs> Bob Uecker is is the standout of this movie. Just a bit outside. <laughs> when 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 um. The coach, the uh, guy that's Lou Brown. Yeah. But, um, yeah, James Gammon. Yeah, he's dead now. I know. I, um, like, I like that guy. He he was fucking great, too. So <laughs> the two the two best... Shut the, up, Dorn. The, 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 <laughs> the two best actors in this whole movie uh-huh. are Euchre and, and Gammon. And Gammon. Right. Um, everybody else everybody else is just... It, it's like they're going through, um, going through the paces. Uh not that it's bad, mm-hmm. but this movie in and of itself was, at best, mediocre. I am fucking surprised at your review of this movie. <laughs> I totally expected you to have this 80s classic fucking comedy attitude towards this film. And instead, you're like, uh, like say, Neil deGrasse Tyson like beating down a fucking space movie because of all the inconsistencies with space. That's the problem. If you're going yeah. to make a movie about any sports, don't be fucking inconsistent. Uh-huh. Know the rules. Know what's going on. It's not even just the rules. Yeah. Know the unknown stuff. Be a fan of baseball. These, uh-huh. This this was obviously not written by any fans of baseball. And if they were fans of baseball, then they were mediocre fans yeah. of baseball. Um, the guys that, that were in the outfield the, the, from oh. the tribe, the, yeah. the, the four guys or whatever. Yeah. Fucking great. Who cares? It's fucking gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it too, too high. high. <laughs> you know? What do you mean it's too high? As you can tell, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, it's This is not a, a repeatable movie for me. This Damn. is not like Adventures of Ford Fairlane. I fucking love this movie. Um, Dennis Haysbert, again, was was great. Up your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> you know? There, there are some classic, classic lines in this yeah. movie. Do you remember, uh, that, remember that picture? <laughs> He's the one that um, that Bruce Willis beat the shit out of in The Last Boy Scout. 
He was the one that they were trying to assassinate. Yeah, yeah. He was like the mayor, not the mayor, but like a senator. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, his Boehner. His, it was a Mayor Senator Boehner. Yeah, but his name yeah. is escaping me. He's the guy that that uh, you know. Let's all gather around for a prayer. Yeah, and like everybody's like, "Give me a fucking break." Yeah, Corbin Burns is like, "No." He goes, "He goes, I'll be in the bathroom." You know, he's like shaking the, he's like farting with his newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> I um, again, my there are so many, just so many annoyances Damn. with this movie. Hmm. Um, my my favorite, uh, I still think, um, not my favorite, but one of the best parts of the movie is um. Uh, the guy that keeps hitting home runs off of uh, Charlie Sheen's oh, character. Yeah, you know who he is. Um, oh God, was that wasn't John Cruck? No, that's um, that's Vukovic, Peach Vukovic, and he was a pitcher. Okay, that dude's fucking huge. He's fucking massive. He does not look like a pitcher. No, he was a pitcher, and um, uh, there was a couple of other. Uh, I like your ass players. up, meat. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that guy. I mean, they, I've seen people that look like that, you know. And yeah, that guy fit the fit the look. Yeah. So um, he he even had the swing too. Yeah. Most of those, like, if you're wa- when you're watching them swing the ball, swing uh-huh. at the ball, they're swinging like they're complete amateurs. Yeah. You know, just just kind of it's it's a it's a weird. Like if you play baseball, uh-huh. you get into a groove where you finally understand how to swing the bat. Yeah, you know, with your hips. What works your with your body? Yeah, not with what works with your body properly, and it's it, and you you don't use you don't use um, arm power. Use hip power and, and legs. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like golf, but. Um, Golf is a little bit more intricate in in the swing stuff. Baseball is is hip power, and and you when you swing into it, when you watch these guys hit, they're and they're lunging at the ball uh-huh. and stuff like that. It, worlds apart from watching a yeah. baseball game. Worlds apart because you, you can tell you can tell these guys aren't fucking baseball players. Yeah, uh, and never were. Tom Berenger had a pretty good swing. Um, Dennis Haysbert. Uh-huh. Dennis Haysbert had a fucking natural swing. Yeah. Um, but obviously most of those Pedro were fake. Serrano. Yeah, and he played he played that character. Um I I quote things from this movie all the time. Like the part where Serrano shows up at the beginning at, at training camp and the guy goes, Look at this fucking guy. I say that all the time. I, I this is one of those movies I quote it just has become part of my life, my dialogue. You know, that, but yeah, that, that's. I would fine. love to watch this with you, just to hear you fucking break this movie down while I'm enjoying it. I just, I just, I, I don't care if I ever see this movie again. Damn. Um, and 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 it's mostly because of the song "Wild Thing." <laughs> I don't fucking care for that song. I didn't like it the first time I heard it. Yeah. Um, there's just something about this, like the remake of the song. Yeah. The Joan Jett version of, uh, and I can actually I can point out the exact moment when I started hating this song mm-hmm. is when Rick. Rick Vaughn, uh, Charlie Sheen's character. Yeah. So they call they call him. It's the it the uh, it's tied two to two. Yeah, and they're playing the Yankees. And they're playing the Yankees, yeah. and they call him from the bullpen. Yep. And they start playing the song, and then he he's he's standing at the mound, and he's turned around, and he's facing the outfield. Yeah. And he throws the glove the ball into the glove. You know, like oh let's let's get this ready, and then he turns around. And they play the down, 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 down. And I fucking hate that. That is so fucking Hollywood movie stupid. Uh-huh. It's it's the worst. <laughs> it, it doesn't set anything up. It doesn't get you excited. 
In fact, it, it for me it does quite the opposite. Uh-huh. It it makes me cringe because it's dumb. It's it's fucking it's so stupid. Damn. Um <laughs> I, I he he does his warm up pitches, he does everything, then he gets ready for the like just fucking go through it and and pitch. Mm. But like I said, I can get over most of this stuff because of Bob Euchre. Uh-huh. Fucking Bob Euchre was great in this it's movie. Like the part where he gets like the whiskey on his fingertips and he wipes the back of his earlobe. Yeah. Like what the fuck does that mean? He just wants to smell like alcohol or what? Yeah, he's he's putting it on his cologne. <laughs> um but it, it wasn't even that. It was like uh, the first time. So when he's can't sitting say there, damn on the air. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> no one's listening. Um, as 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 he's sitting there, and I, I did, I forgot this happened. And it's like the second or third game of the season, or whatever it is. And Cleveland's just getting fucking shelled. And he, as I mean, he's still keeping up the appearances. He's still like super excited about the game and everything else like that. Mm. And you know, in between, he's just like these guys fucking suck, mm. you know. And and as he's doing it, he's he he's pouring Jack Daniels into one of his cups. Uh-huh. And then later on in that scene, there's a fucking. This is the best part because he he he's a um, he was a pitchman for uh, Miller Lite. Uh-huh. There's a fucking bottle of Miller Lite standing there. And and the label is turned right towards the camera. Yeah. And of course, out in the outfield, there's Miller Lite um, advertising yeah. uh, all this shit all over the place in Cleveland. But I thought that was so funny that av- it was like in the sa- within this, like the same the same game. He went from drinking Jack Daniels to having fucking. And it might have been quite opposite. It might have uh-huh. been that he had already had a Miller Lite. But he had a beer there, and then he was drinking Jack Daniels. And at some point, his, the, the quote unquote the best color commentator, and who doesn't say anything ever, which it makes it even funnier. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, He's what, like, like the Penn and Teller kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you got anything to add? Nope. The best color commentator in the business, folks. You know yeah. that he keeps going on. He's not the best for a reason. Yeah. And and um, <laughs> that's. That's what saves this movie. Mm. Uh, the the whole Corbin Burson getting mad um, at, at Charlie Sheen for fucking his wife after <laughs> he got caught on camera fucking another girl, and and he knew it. And that I mean that was that was poor writing. Tom Berenger, um, who says his knees are always shot. Oh, my knees are shot. I'm, you know, blah blah blah. But he sure as hell can run. Uh. You know. Anybody who who has bad knees knows that, especially being a catcher, you wouldn't be able to do any of this shit. Uh-huh. It's like being a football player. At some point, you just it doesn't work anymore. Um, um, he did retire after this uh, this movie, though. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes was actually Wesley Snipes was really good in this movie. Damn, I've been cut already. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a there was there's like I said. There, there's few and far between moments of goodness in uh-huh. this movie. Most of it is okay. My problem, like I said, my biggest problem with the whole movie uh-huh. is the, the plot. Yeah, is the shit plot, and and you know, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move the team because ticket sales are slumped. Fuck, that's, All right. it's so never gonna happen. Here's the alternative thing that the, that the studio thought um, that they decided not to go with. Okay, Margaret Witten, Witten's character. She, you find out near the end of the movie that actually she planned all this from the get-go because she wanted the team to stay in Cleveland and she wanted them to be successful, but she knew that she had to to um, make them suffer 
to make them make the best come out of them. And that, that was her plan all along. And so the, the, I, I can't remember if it was the studio or the director or whatever. They just thought that this, the, the audience wouldn't buy that, that she was actually a good person and she wanted the team to be good. Um, they just thought it was too out of left field. <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they decided not to go with it. But there's like deleted scenes on the DVD I've got that show it and stuff. And she's like, I, I like her character to be nicer, but you know what? She works as an asshole. So I like it. I like, you know, I hate this fucking song. <laughs> I just, you know what, man? I that I, You surprise me sometimes, man. I, I, I'm not going to debate you on the movie because you look, if you like it, you like it. You don't, you don't. And Oh, they're and, trying to do a reboot of the movie too. And you, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, leave that one. But, um, you're 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 looking at it from more from a, like a baseball fan perspective, and that's fine because I mean it's major league, so that makes sense. But I, I never saw the movie as a baseball fan. I just enjoyed it as a fucking comedy that had baseball in it uh, as the main backdrop, and and I just I loved all the characters, and I mean it was a little hokey here and there with the Tom Berger Renee Russo thing, but I otherwise it's a lot hokey. I um I still I just I don't know why maybe because I watched it from as as a kid or something, but I've always been into that movie always. Okay. Yeah, and I, I it, yeah, you you surprised me, man. I really thought you loved this fucking movie, and you do not. No, nope, I don't. I, I don't care if I ever see it again. Yeah. All right. Um, and there's the the you know, I mean, it's 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 the attention to detail. My uh-huh. my thing, I can I can let go with attention to detail if it's if it's obvious that uh-huh. they're they're fucking around. Yeah. You know, like we know what we're doing. Just let us do this. Yeah. Like. Like the Adventures of Ford Fairlane, he's a Hollywood. He, he's a he's a detective, you know, um, uh, f- to the stars, right? Yeah. He's a private eye to the stars. So why did I choose this line of work? I could have been a private eye. I could have uh-huh. been, you know, the you know Ford Fairlane, you know, fish detective or whatever the fuck he was doing, right? Yeah. He never gets paid. He always gets paid in fucking you know nonsense, you know. Tickets or or koala bears or this and that and the other thing. <laughs> well, it, it, but it's so koala, did you? it's so extreme and stupid it, that it works because it it's making fun of itself. Well, yeah, because it, it's Hollywood, <laughs> right? <coughs> it fits in the whole Hollywood thing, right? And and then and then like um, airplane or you know, even a million ways to die in the West. But again, I have to be in a mood to watch that. Uh-huh. There are speci- there are movies that I can watch over and over and over again. Deadpool, uh-huh. you know, um, that that work because they take they, they the attention to detail is such that like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, you, you know that that's never going to work in any fucking possible situation. Yeah. You know, but they make it work because. It's so. In fact, there was a there was a really cool um, like a documentary called Inside the Making of Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm. on AMC, and I watched some of it. Um, it the premise is preposterous, oh, yeah. but he talks. He you know he breaks the fourth wall and talks to the to the audience. Yeah, and that's how they work that whole thing through. I noticed something when I watched it the other day that I had never noticed before. When I was in Santa Cruz watching it on the beach, Jeffrey Jeffrey Jones was touching little girls. No, the scene where um, they're walking through the hallways of the school, and one of the, the one of the students has that can, you know, for save Ferris cans. Yeah. And each That's student, Parker Posey, by the way. And each student's walking by, putting a coin in the can. And I'm like, wait a minute, how the fuck? Do, why does every student have a, a fucking coin in their hand when they're just casually walking through the halls? You know what I mean? It was, 
It was the first time I ever noticed that. Like, it was completely contrived, but it was okay because that movie's still an awesome movie. Yeah, and, and that's the whole point of that is that it's it's every scene is contrived. Yeah. And that's how it works, T- taking his dad's Ferrari. There's no fucking way. No, no. No, 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 no. That's just not going to work. Why would his dad leave keys that accessible? And yeah, exactly. Well, because unless he's an asshole and wanted to test his son. No, well, it could be, but the other thing is, is um, he? Uh, oh fuck! Pete Vukovic was six foot four. Yeah. Is huh. Steve Yeager was also in the movie? He played for the Dodgers. Hmm. Very good player too. Um, but it uh, when you have when you have movies that are are absurd to the point where now you can... Um, hmm. Holy shit. Neil Flynn was in the movie, too. Hmm. He played the janitor, Jan Itor. These guys don't look so fucking good. <laughs> um, lost my train of thought here. But, uh, but, but movies movies that... that Blazing Saddles is another one. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason why these movies work so well is because... The um, the the whole entire movie is is has has a lot of attention to detail yeah. and is and that's why in fact that's why most comedies either do or don't work yeah. and and I think I think Major League is one of those movies that you're either gonna love it or hate it there is no there it is there is no two ways about it and yeah. I I'm not I don't hate hate it I just. It's not rewatchable. You I can't mean, forgive it. You can't forgive its problems. Well, I can forgive its problems. My problem, I can forgive some of its problems. I can't forgive all of it. Like I can't forgive the be- you know, the bullshit owner thing, and and, and lazy writing. Uh-huh. I can't forgive that. You know, I can get over to like you know, she makes them take bad planes and and buses, shitty buses. You know, um, uh, makes them makes their clubhouse shitty. Makes makes I I can get behind some of these things. Mm-hmm. I can't get behind watching them cut away to her sitting in her her garden box. Yeah, with the lattice work, and it's just two of them, and you see no fans. Mm-hmm. I can't get behind it. That's lazy. You know, if you're going to make a a baseball movie, why not do something like that in the stadium? You know, you can dress it up. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of things, but uh, that's but that's lazy, and, and it's always those just the, those two. It's it's her and and her her flunky or her major domo or whoever he yeah. is. And are you it, saying you want us to lose? Yeah, and again, when when they do that, it it stinks. It, um, I, I have this problem with a lot of movies, by the way, and, and it stinks of either. Um, uh, Reshoots, or they didn't plan ahead, and movies that like I'm trying to think of of recent movies that I mean, most of the movies that have done this, um, where they just key in on a character mm-hmm. who's obviously either working with a green screen or there's no one there and someone's just reading the lines and they have to react. You know these these close up shots of reactions or clapping. You know, so so as they're moving through the crowd, and then it's like a lone shot of one person clapping, but it's the one of the main characters, and and there's no reason for them to be alone, but yet you know they're they're just like and action, and they're like oh, I'm so happy, 
you know, some of that 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 shit doesn't work. Yeah. Because and and they have to do it like like in um Pacific Rim where they finally defeat the bad guy again, right? And you see everybody's cheering, right? Yeah, like an Independence Day. Yeah, and everybody's cheering, but cheering for what? You know, it, it, there is no there's no reason for them to be doing that. Um sheer crowd-pleasing fun. That's what Variety magazine wrote. Um, there's supposed to be there's supposed to be a fourth movie in the works or a reboot in the works. Well, they have the sequel back. Um, they have the <laughs> sequel that uh, they replaced Wesley Snipes with Omar Epps to play the same character um, because you know Wesley Snipes was becoming a big big star at the time or some shit. No, 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 no. There's supposed to be a fourth film in the works and or then, a reboot. And then part three was called Return to the Miners, and that was straight to video. And then and so I yeah I don't know about the fourth one. I remember I only saw part two once. I saw that at the drive-in, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, this isn't the same movie to me. I'm, I'm good." Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I just don't care. <laughs> All right. All right. Once again, I, I thank you for surprising me. I, fuck, man. I thought we were gonna be like this. It was gonna be this mutual love for this classic '80s fucking comedy, and it just was not. That's yeah. fucking surprising. Nope. All right. All right. So, uh, the Equalizer two. Um, the closer we were getting to this movie, um, I really just was losing any kind of enthusiasm to see it at all. I really was. Um, but, oh, man, I'll tell you what. How about I read what the movie's about, and then we'll go from there. So, if you have a problem, and there is nowhere else to turn, the mysterious and elusive Robert McCall will deliver the vigilante justice you seek. This time, however... McCall's past cuts especially close to home when thugs kill Susan Plummer, his best friend and former colleague. Okay. Now I can't read more because, you know, but now out for revenge, McCall. You, you don't. You, you don't need to read the whole <laughs> entire thing. <laughs> All right. So, um, this I was trying to think back on the first movie. I remember I liked it a little bit more than you liked it, but I still didn't think it was a great movie. I don't even know if I said thought it was a good movie. It had selling points to it um, that worked, but they didn't emphasize enough on them, and so that's why the movie ended up failing because it started to rely more on bullshit action and shitty villains than it did on what worked. And what worked uh, was the relationship that he had with the prostitute, um, Chloe Grace Moretz's character, how um, he was trying to help her and things like that. Well, this time, it's like they did better. Like, they realized that, oh, hey, maybe we should focus more on the deeds of uh, of Denzel Washington's Robert McCall character and um, and show, you know, what, you know more of, of him helping people. And so there was barely any villain shit in this movie, and instead it was more about him helping people and then also, um, you know, figuring out who killed his friend. Because, you know, they pretty much give it away in the trailers that she dies. And what I just read also gives it away. Um, I Dude, I totally forgot that Melissa Leo's character was even in the first movie. That's how forgetful that film is. All I remember from that first movie was that he worked in a Home, a no, a home Depot knockoff store. And that um, uh, the, the one of the villains was an FBI agent or whatever who was, uh, you know, corrupt. Right. And then he has a battle in the fucking rain in the Home Depot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In the slow motion battle in the sprinklers, right? So you right. can see every drop of sprinkle come down in there. Um, but I don't remember anything else about it. Nothing. And so this this time around, look, this isn't a great movie, but I'll tell you what, if you wanted to compare this to like Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher, 
this is the this is what Jack Reacher Part Two, Never Go Back, or whatever the fuck it was called. This is what Never Go Back should have been. Okay, this is a better sequel, and I think it, it is a, a couple steps better than than the first film. So it's a lot better than the first film. Yeah, more grounded, right? More focused. Yeah, a lot more focused. Yeah. Antoine Fuqua, um, who is a really good director. Yeah. Um, w- like with the first one, I don't know why he he decided to do, um, um, the Equalizer. I I don't understand what what his um I don't thinking is behind that. Other than I mean, because look, the Magnificent Seven was okay. Um, I don't think it was great. I, I, it was, but it was. I've seen it twice. Yeah. I, 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 it was okay. The second time, it was just like, oh, it's just, it's like to me, it's just a forgetful western remake. Um, a forgettable. Anyway. I don't, I don't understand what, what his reasoning behind doing, doing Equalizer was all about. Other than I, uh, the only thing I can think of is that they hired him to. Um, like Kevin Smith <laughs> for Cop Out. <laughs> yeah, they they hired him to do that because either someone dropped out, maybe John Singleton dropped out. Mm-hmm. I don't know, um, but I don't like the first one. I, obviously, you know what my problems were. The second one, uh, the second one is so so much better. Um, Even the action scene at the end, that big set with the in the wind and all that shit during yeah. the, the was it a hurricane coming or whatever? Yeah, they 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 filmed it in. Um, how do you pronounce it? Haverhill? Haverhill. Haverhill. Salisbury, Hamilton, Chelsea, Haverhill, and Boston. Um, yeah, you're pointing out uh, locations to me because we were in a theater that only had like two other people in there. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. It was kind is- of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, Marsh, f- f- uh, Lynn, they, they, uh, Lynn Shore, they, they, they um, Lynn is actually very, very beautiful. Um <laughs> Do you know what my nickname for this movie was? No. Black Reacher. Black Reacher? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely Jack Reacher, but better. Yeah. Um, the, the the whole the whole movie in and of itself, there it is, Windshore. Just to give you an idea of, so Boston, there's no hat. Oh, there's an island, huh? Oh, yeah. Or do you consider that a peninsula because it's got a, a, a little... Road to it. That's an island with a road attached to it. Yeah. There's Saugus. I've been there. There's Marblehead, Peabody, Salem. Lynn. So what's the rich area of um Boss of yeah Boss or Massachusetts? I don't know. Don't care. Is it Manchester? Is it Gloucester? No. <laughs> Rockport. Oh, there's Plum Island. Yeah. That's uh you know what Plum Island is, right? It's a facility where they do um. Uh, tests on um, all the diseases and things like that, and they also the the rumors are that they do uh, animal experimentations because there's a shitload of islands um, of uh, animals that get shipped to the to the facilities there. And if you're caught staring at that place from the shore with a uh, like a telescopic lens, they will come very quickly. Agents will and fuck okay. you up. Okay, sure. Tell that to all the residents of Newbury, uh, or Raleigh, or Ipswich, or Essex, or any of the places that actually. Border where Plum Island is. Read the shit. Read about it. We get a chance. I, I I have family that live there. Okay. I mean, like literally, right fucking there. Uh huh. There, there, and there. Um. I used to live in Salem. I used to live in Beverly, or Beverly. Yeah. But um, Lynn is just south of Salem. Um, yeah, I used to live in Beverly as well. So, it's it, all this area is really, really beautiful. 
But they show him driving across a bridge, and I don't know if he's driving to where this island of Nahant. That would make sense, huh, if it was. But this is it, so. But it looked like there was just a small little town on that Yeah, island. it looked like a shitty little yeah. fishing village. Yeah. And, you know, it's, this is a. It looks like a city. Yeah, almost. well, it's, it's an island. Or it looks like it's fucking parking. All it looks like is a bunch of parking. I know, those look like cars. But yeah, they're all so it's it's probably like in this area, anyways. Yeah, it's possible. Um, What if yeah, it was on the smaller part of the island or something? Yeah. So here's here's I'm pretty sure that this is the road right here. That's fucking cool. Look at baseball diamond. Yep, that's cool. So lots of baseball. Um, The I I I like the movie. I mean, it's it's better than average. I never got bored. Um, Yeah, not once. This movie is full of tension, too, and that's what's really good about it is that uh-huh. um, Fuqua actually took a lot of time. Remember I was talking about the attention to detail in the previous one? Yeah. He took a lot of time to uh, s- set everything up between D.C., between uh, Massachusetts, between e- even the opening when they were in Turkey. Yeah. So when all of that is going on, when all of that is going on, um the uh the setup for you know the the the, the turkey scene yeah um <coughs> i was waiting for that to go into predictability and it never did the predictability was you know like oh this guy is going to come back for him with more people later so yeah um so i'm glad that like the they didn't do that because like the guy that he took took the kid back from i was like oh yeah watch he's going to come back to america with a bunch of fucking goons right and then get revenge or some shit, and he didn't. So I'm I'm glad they didn't go in that predictable route with it. But there was something predictable about the movie that uh, I think it was the the main negative that I think I had with the film, which was uh, uh, sorry, spoiler alert, but Pedro Pascal's character. I saw that he was gonna be the fucking bad guy the whole time. I just I saw it. I, it, it was so goddamn obvious to me, you know. So the whole time, I was, every time they were showing him in the movie, I just kept looking for little signs to see that, you know, we're going to indicate that, you know, he was the bad guy. But I never really saw them, you know. It, it just, but I knew it was coming. I, I fucking knew it. So when it did, I was, I was, I was anti-surprised <laughs> with it. Um, I was a little surprised. Not, not a lot, but a little surprised. Uh-huh. Um, it just... I've seen so many action movies that it's there was no one else in the, there was no one else in the film, so that it wouldn't have been any kind of a shock. So the only other person that it could have been in my mind would have been Bill Pullman's character, and I, I just I, I wasn't really buying the Bill Pullman thing because they were barely showing him anyway. So that's why I, I was like almost one hundred percent positive it was going to be Pascal's character. Right. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, you know, they didn't focus too much on the villains. You know those other guys that were doing the you know the killing and all that shit. They uh, you know they could have done a lot of focusing on them and they didn't. And I'm really glad they didn't. Instead, they focused more on Washington's character and him helping people. And that's what kept me invested in the film was that um, you know I cared about the old man. You know I wanted to make sure that he you know got to see his sister again yep. or, or at least got the fucking painting back, <laughs> right? Right. And then or you know and then you had the young kid that he was trying to help to so keep him away from gang shit, which that was. I didn't. I, I I was debating on whether I thought that was bullshit or not. Him just going up in there with all those fucking punks, and just like none of them came after him. You know when he went down. 
I'm like, oh, maybe they were just more punks than anything other than that. Maybe they were just big pussies that were flashing big. You know what I mean? And that's why they didn't come down to you know attack him after he got the he got the kid out of the apartment, right? right. So um so yeah, I I ended up buying that scene, you know, and and but yeah, I liked the, I liked most of it. I mean, I that was also extremely predictable. I knew the kid was going to get taken and used as a hostage, you know, piece. Um, of course, and I was like, okay, where is he at? Is he in the fucking trunk? Yep, he's in the fucking trunk. <laughs> so, um, that's my that's where I get tainted with movies. Is that I I I've just I've seen so much shit that a lot of things I can see um, beforehand that it might go in that direction. Is this sick that I just so I'm I'm looking at Google Maps. Uh-huh. Is this sick that I know exactly where I'm going? It's cool. Um, this house never used to be here. Uh-huh. That looks yeah. I, this is the Sullivan's house. This is the Sullivan's house. Uh-huh. That's the house that I lived in. All right. This is the haunted house. This is a three-story house, by the way. Huh. And wow, that's still... Does it have a basement? A fence. No. Uh, no. This, but right, this right here, uh-huh. this was where we lived. This was up here. Uh-huh. This is two bedrooms. There's one here and there's one here. My bedroom was over here. Okay. And then there's one bath. This is this is the, um, the entryway. Uh-huh. And this is the downstairs. And then right here, this... Yeah, this house right here is my friend Ben's house. Look at that little yard. And then down this road right here is where I broke my arm. There was also, it snowed so bad one year that right here, like these are all, I I remember these, but I don't remember this. This used to be a field. Uh, Remodeled a little bit. But yeah, um, right here was a huge snowbank, and we all wanted to ride our bikes through it. Um, this is the, the lot. Hold on, the lot by your house, the big open lot. Yeah. Did would you guys? Did you guys play like stickball or anything in there? No, we we rode our bikes mostly. Yeah. Um, right here is the girl that used to babysit me, and then there was a biker that lived down here. Is that a bar? I don't know. Where? Turn turn to the left. To the left some more. Uh, oh, you, I think you passed it. Uh, never mind. I saw like a little brown building, and it looked like it could have been a bar or something. That's weird. Yeah, it's gone now. I don't. I don't remember where it was because I'm all turned around now. Yeah, so you're right by the ocean. Yeah, that's how this works. So that's cool. Let's see, Lynch Lobster <laughs> used to be a way down to the beach, but see that that building that I was looking at initially uh-huh. that used to be a McDonald's. You could drive your boat up to it. Huh. This is Cabot Street right here. Or yeah, that's Cabot. So um, you can go either way. Do they have employees um, at, um, at Google that have to go through each individual picture and blot out license plates and other things, or does they have a? Is there a computer program that does it? I don't know. School Street. Fuck, that's got to be the school a... I went to. Huh. This was clo- this school was actually closed when I was there in two thousand six. Huh. It was all they were they were either doing construction. Look at that! Look how small the roads are. So this is this is what. Real Massachusetts looks like. Yeah. Manchester, Gloucester, that way. Um, there used to be a donut shop over here. I think that was it. There used to be a, like a Duncan's. Tiffany's hair design. Ah. Salernos? Yeah, so you can see all the houses and stuff like that. The reason why I'm, I know you guys can't see this, but if you Google map um, uh, Beverly, Massachusetts, I'm showing this to Joe so he can see what the houses actually look like. Uh, compared to what the houses look like, so, I mean, look how dingy and yeah. and weather beaten those houses are. So that way, he gets an understanding of what, how accurate and how good Fuqua's stuff is. I mean, 
There's a car dealership right here. So we're here. That's Beverly. Beverly High. Well, that dark cloud in the background. That's fascinating. Yeah, and that's all water. So there's Independence Park, the Jubilee Yacht Club. So literally, we were just over here. So there's Stone Street. Uh, Davis. You played the park? The big park right there? We played everywhere. Everywhere that I could go. Right here is South Street. Uh, we were just here. Um, Cottage Lane. Uh, I'm looking for something specific. So, anyways. You're right, dude. There's fucking baseball diamonds all over the place. Yeah. Holy shit. Snake Hill. And, like, when I say that, you know, it looks like it's a long way between whatever. Uh-huh. No. No, it's not. Short drive. Because... From from uh, there's Danvers right there, from here to here, yeah. it's 15 minutes. Uh -huh. So it's like driving from where I live to Roseville or something. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, or almost like driving from where you live to Roseville. Yeah. Okay. Still there, huh? Oh yeah. All right. You have never seen. Oh, that's a different Linus. I think this is the same place. Boop. That used to be Lena's Deli. Okay, so they just moved over to the next store. So I don't... Yeah, they may be rebuilding it or something like that. Hmm. But it's right here. Anyways. So if you want the best sub sandwiches in the world, Lena's Deli. Yeah, it may have moved. Did I assume that when you went back in 06, that you, when you went there? Fuck yes, I did. <laughs> and then there's... There's a whole bunch of cool places, so... Um, there is. There used to be a drive-in in Gloucester, Gloucester, as people like to say. Uh, and it's one of my favorite spots. But so now you understand that how how everything is like small back there. Yeah. Um, Damn, I wonder how bad traffic gets over there. Uh, pretty bad. I think this is it. Drive-in theater, the Milford. That may be it. Anyways, there's a drive-in theater right there. Two screens. Huh. One, two. That's po that could possibly be it, but that's not Gloucester. There's Gloucester. What's the red lines? What red lines? The red lines on the map. I don't know. Is it like a territorial thing or I, like certain county or? It looked like rivers. I don't know. Hmm. You ever uh, did you ever take a boat and maneuver through those? No, nobody does that. This is it right here. It's demolished. Hmm. All right. So, um, what would you give uh, give the movie? Um, I'd give it a six and a half. Damn, that's right where I was at. <laughs> I was yeah, I was between a six and a six and a half, and yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, you know, as a as a guy who's done the ride sharing thing, I um, I I, I at first I was kind of miffed at them like focusing way too much on the lift aspect of it, you know, like it was this this, this gimmick like oh hey this movie's sponsored by by Lyft like, you know how you have other movies that are sponsored by GM like Transformers or. Or the or the Matrix Reloaded or some shit and uh, right and so um, but you know 
I don't know. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was it was funny how they used it in the movie, and it, it was fine. I, I I first had a problem with it, but then thinking back on it, I was like, eh, whatever. It, I've seen worse. I've seen worse marketing and you know uh, and shit like that, and marketing tie-ins and all that stuff. So yeah, it, it is what it was. It, it worked into the movie. You know, it worked into. It actually was clever if you think about it, because it worked into what he does for a living. You know. He overhears people needing help, and then, boom, he helps them, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, I had to think about it. But, you know, I, I ended up actually kind of accepting it. So, <coughs> Yeah, I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with the, the lift thing. And the, the point where you said they wouldn't know who that is, blah, 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 and they can't do that. And I'm like, if it's a government operative, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then sure as shit, like in the next couple of scenes, it was like, yeah, he was sent to kill you. Yeah. So obviously they had hacked and and got into the system yeah. and, and did this knew where he lived but, and all that shit yeah but they didn't have to worry about it over explaining all that shit either mm-hmm. um, that's because they explained they they kind of explained it without explaining it yeah. later on in the movie yeah I mean was it it was the typical oh my 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 friend who thought I was dead now wants to kill me. Uh-huh. And now they're tying up loose ends, and and he's the one that's responsible, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it would have been better if they had gone. Who was who was the guy that played the um, Pedro Pascal? Yeah, as as good of an actor as he is, um, he it, it was. I was looking up something on purpose. Yeah, he was in the Golden Circle. Yeah, he and Narcos. Yeah, he, he could have. Um, he could have done much better. It could have been worse, but they could have done a much better job where they had Pedro Pascal not only play the guy uh, as he was that didn't know anything yeah. and was helping Denzel's character Mac. Yeah, and and maybe he maybe he does know something, but he's not letting on. Yeah, you know. I'm not letting it, all the information out because, like, he wants he wants to collar the guy himself or whatever, or, or he ends up getting hurt but not killed. Yeah, because he made a stupid stupid mistake. But um, I think uh, I, I think overall this movie is 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 pretty strong. And Antoine Fuqua, um, I don't know if he had more control over this movie than the last one, but mm. it certainly feels like he did. Yeah, and uh, I, I you know I'm actually. Looking forward to a part three if they ever do it, and hopefully they they keep doing the same similar formula, where it focuses more on him helping people than than you know over the top action, you know. Um. Yeah, I think that they need to get uh, on with the whole. Uh, he feels bad about his wife dying thing. Uh-huh. How is the house still there and maintained and everything if he was already he's still a dead you know considered a dead man? Uh, um, family. I I, I was think or maybe. Uh, M- Melissa Leo's character kept it up for him or something. Probably. You know, I they never explained it, but it was like it didn't really matter. It, it, well, his wife's bakery was still there and yeah. everything else, and then he exploded it. Yeah. I, I haven't looked into the viability of um, uh, a flashbang igniting flower, uh-huh. but, you know, there has <laughs> to be other things involved with that, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, let's look it up. <laughs> Can a flashbang... But he may have also uh, ignite flower. Le- less lethal flashbangs used in Ferguson leave some. Um, I don't know if you're going to find. Uh, I would say just look up flower and see if flower is uh, if, if if flower can be well, uh, flower and sugar factories sometimes explode. Uh, 
just a match and a little sprinkling, you can see the entire thing go up in flame. Interesting. But I think there had to be more to it. Like, he had to have, you know, uh, and I th- I kind of think that they, they did do that, where they showed him turn on or at least uh, rupture a gas main or something like that. Uh, uh, this quick demonstration with powdered coffee creamer. So why, why not? not? So... Yes, I don't have... There's no sound, but here we go. Yeah, we don't need YouTube uh, coming down on us. There you go. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it can explode a house like that. Yeah. So there had to have been, you know, a little bit more fuel to the fire, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, coffee whitener. Well, it's the same thing as fucking powder. Iron fillings. Well, that's not too d- difficult. <laughs> These videos are like... Uh what is the anarchist handbook? Yeah. Or cookbook? Here we go. This is all for science, even though someone can turn into their own disaster de- deeds, their evil deeds. Oh, there it is right there. Holy shit. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, so apparently f- a lot of flour can fucking explode Nate. All right, so Robert McCall knew what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, we, we, we learned something new. <laughs> so. All right. Um. Uh, so yeah, the, the, you know what? I I was hesitant to see this movie, and the closer we got to it, I was like, God, this is going to be a shitty fucking sequel, and it ended up not being. So I'm glad. I'm actually glad. I, I used my free ticket on it, and now I'm like, fuck, dude, was there something else shitty coming up that I should have saved it for? Because <laughs> now that this movie was actually an improvement on the first one, it's like, fuck, I should have given money to it. But whatever. I'm, this movie's making plenty of money, so it's fine. I think they'll already authorize a part three if Denzel's down. Yeah. So. Um as long as we don't go see Unfriended, that's fine. No, yeah, I'm not the dark web. Oh, fuck that shit. Fucking yeah. The, yeah, the next the next one we're gonna see is a new uh, um, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. Or we can go see Teen Titans. Go to the movies. Yeah, I Teen. I can only take Teen Titans for about ten minutes at a time, dude. Teen Titans Go. I mean, it's just too goofy. Uh, yeah, you know, I I I I hadn't seen Rogue Nation which is part five. I hadn't seen it since we went and saw it in the theaters. And I finally watched it last night with my, with my boys. And, uh, dude, that's a good fucking movie. I, I forgot how good it was. I, um, I, I think the reason why I put it off for so long watching it again is because when me and you went and saw it was during that two week period when I was living in the hotel in between homes. And I had a lot of shit in my mind at the time. And I don't remember really thinking that much about rogue nation. Dude, there's like August seven yeah. the the week of August seventeenth. Uh-huh. There's nothing I want to see. Yeah, all right. You have mile twenty two, and then the week after that, you have the Happy Time Murderers murders, which we're fucking seeing that. Yeah, fuck yeah, we are. And then you yeah, have. I want to go buy silly string and take it to the theater. And then, <laughs> and then you have like August thirty first. <laughs> Start fucking shooting people in the back of the neck during the ejaculation scenes. <laughs> so yeah, that's original. <laughs> you don't think that'd be funny? I know. I, I would. I mean, I'm pretty sure there'd be some kind of backlash, but you don't. Know, it'd still be funny. All right. Um, yeah, August does not look very promising at all, man. There, there's literally just shit. Like, I want to see Assassination Nation. Uh-huh. But that's fucking limited. And then the house with the clock and its walls. Um, but that comes out the same week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what Hellfest is. Night school. Hellfest. I just saw the trailer for that today. It looks, 
it, it's a slasher film set at an amusement park. Great. Um, it looks it looks half decent. Uh, I'll give it that. Um, you, you get a chance, check out the trailer. So. Venom. Fucking who gives a shit about Venom? The that, goose. Yeah, the goose. Dude, Jack Black time. doesn't even show up in the Goosebumps tra- new movie trailer. I, I like, don't, like he's not even in it. I don't even care. It says his name on there, but I, I think that could be a lie. Bad uh, times at the El Royale. That's what we're gonna see. Halloween. Johnny English strikes again. That's a possibility. Overlord looks good. Um, I just saw the trailer for that. That's on my list of uh, trailers, new trailers that came out. Have you seen? You know what Overlord's about? Uh, if it's about the World War II thing. Yeah, Nazi zombies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I yeah. did see that. They, and there's a rumor that it's going to, because it's produced by J.J. Abrams and, and Bad Robot, that uh, there's a chance that it might be connected to the um, Cloverfield universe. It's possible. So, um, anyways, so what do we got for. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what do you, th- do you think that uh, Fallout's going to be a piece of shit? I don't think so. No, I mean, yeah, they just keep taking their time with these movies and, do, and doing a lot of good effort, you know, effort into the practical effects and, and the, and the storylines and stuff. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board, man. It looks like it's going to be good except for that fucking mustache, um, that we need to move on from, but I can't let it go. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, the first trailer we saw, uh, from the Comic-Con, um, I'm pretty sure that you had a big boner for this one was the Godzilla King of Monsters trailer. I did. I totally did. You know I did. You know what got me was the Mothra part where it showed the wings spread out. Oh, that and was they were just illuminated in color. The 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 King Ghidorah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one right there. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, yeah. It, it, this, this movie looks very pretty. <laughs> it looks like monster wise, it's going to make up for all the lack of monster shit in the the first film from uh, twenty fourteen. Just only if it could have Brian fucking Cranston in it. Well, he's dead. I know. So get over. I know. I need to move on. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really expecting the Stranger Things chick from it, but Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, yeah. That's all my daughter could talk about. Um, when when the, she she was all at the, at, when the trailer's over, she goes, "I'm just so glad that Millie Bobby Brown." I'm like, "Shut the fuck up." We know you like Millie Bobby Brown. Just move on with your life. Fucking teenagers do. They just focus on the same shit over and over again. Yeah, imagine that. I know. Obsessive compulsive fucking kids. Hmm. All right. So yeah. Um. Yeah, dude, the movie looks fucking, looks badass. Yeah, Kyle Chandler, I like him in everything I see him in. Wasn't he in uh, the Kong Skull Island movie? Uh, No, no, he wasn't. He was in Game Night, though. The only people I've seen that, um, so far um, that were in Kong Skull Island is um, her from uh, The Shape of Water. She was in the first Godzilla. And, um, and then also um, uh, Ken Watanabe. Uh, was in the first Godzilla, right? But there's a re- complete reference to Kong Skull, and there's that's um, the, the, I think that's a turtle. <laughs> turtle. Um, what's the name of the turtle? I can't remember. Shelly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's bad. That's fucking awesome. So pretty before it kills us. Gamora. 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 Not Gamora. Gamora. Yeah, I like that big shadow pattern over the city. Yeah, that wasn't Ghidorah. That was another one. Yeah. Uh, Ro- uh, Ro- Rodan. Uh-huh. So you have Rodan, King Ghidorah, Mothra, and what looks to be Gamera. And then a scene of, from Geostorm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a much better looking scene from Geostorm. Look at that. There, that's Rodan right there. Yeah. That's Ghidorah. Yeah, that looks fucking badass. It's good to be the king. Long live the king. Yeah, Charles Dance. Ironic that he would say that. I know. So I, I I want 
I want Charles Dance to just read me my books. Whatever I want to read a book, just have him read it to me yeah. instead. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this this movie looks uh, fucking cool. Five years, man. Five years since the last one. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, it's destroying, uh, destroying. Um, you know, <coughs> Washington. That's a shame. That breaks my fucking heart. Yeah, Charles Dance is fucking he I, I like him and whatever he does. Ever since he was Sada Noomspa. <laughs> yes. My brother Noomsi. Noomsi. Critics hated that fucking movie, dude. Because it was a shit movie. I yeah. It's one of those movies I can't really debate people on, but it's so fucking funny that I, I I'm like, why do people hate this fucking movie so Be- much? Because it was shit. It's <laughs> it's a fun shit movie. <laughs> You're breaking my heart, asswipe. Yes. <laughs> it's a fun shit movie. <laughs> You don't have to defend. You don't have to defend anything for liking something that's fucking that that's fucking cheesy. You see a little uh, Harry Krishna midget running around here with a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> All right. So yeah, there. Um, you know, I I I don't remember what news really came out of Comic Con except for trailers. Um, right. There's Shazam, James Gunn. Shazam looks like it, they're going in the um, the Marvel route with the comedy on shit. Um, and I mean, the trailer looks interesting. It looks funny. I don't buy in a fucking shit about any of exactly. these trailers. Don't care. The, um, the comedy. There's going to be comedy in it, but I know. I mean, look. And you tra- are. You're right. They are going after the the, yeah. the Marvel. The trailer looks funny, but that that doesn't mean shit to me when it comes to DC movies. Right. Know? Well, hey, look. They found the color button. Like I said. Yeah. You know, uh, Aquaman. The the new trailer for Aquaman yeah. came out. Yeah. Fucking Finding Nemo. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's literally a scene where uh, someone had taken uh, Aquaman and put all the Finding Nemo fish behind it. Yeah, like in the poster. And the then movies. in the in the trailer, there's that same exact scene where all the fish are behind it. And that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, exactly. Like, fucking cool. Yeah. So, so this yeah this trailer. I mean, look. The, I mean, like I said, they they're doing a good job on making the trailer look interesting. But yeah, until you show me something better than Wonder Woman. I'm sorry, the first two thirds of Wonder Woman, uh, I don't, I have no faith. Yeah. Yeah. But they've already, they've already linked it to Superman and Batman. And uh-huh. so we'll see what happens. Well, apparently, Zach's, I, I look, I haven't read much about the Zack Snyder shit. He's I, no longer involved. But he's like, uh, yeah, that's what, that's the gist I'm getting is he's not doing anything anymore involved with any of this shit. So. He was, he was gone last year. He, at, at he, he, when they, when he left, yeah. Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Okay. So, <sighs> conspiracy theory time. Uh huh. You mean when he left Justice League? That's what I meant. Yeah. When he left Justice League, mm-hmm. um, he left because his daughter supposedly had committed suicide. Yeah, from family issues. Yeah. And now it turns out that that may not be true. She's still alive. I don't know. I'm <laughs> just fine. It may be. It's a bad joke. I don't know. Um, that's fucking awesome. So there's okay. There's a scene in here. Hold on a second. Um, oh yeah, the cell phones. <laughs> no, he's wearing the cape wrong first and foremost. Uh-huh. Well, this is the first time he's wearing it. Maybe he just doesn't know how to wear it. No, the the cape is supposed to be off one shoulder. This looks like a Saturday Night Live skit. That's what this trailer looks like. Yeah, like I could totally see instead of Zach Le- Levy, it's fucking uh, Jimmy Fallon in the suit instead. Hmm. Mark Strong. Yeah. Shazam. <laughs> Right here, when they're walking out of the convenience store, he's got beer. Uh-huh. See the beer, and now he's not got beer. And he's got an energy drink. 
And so apparently what had happened is that they tried the beer and they didn't like it and they walked back into the store and got more they got the, the Yeah, kid shit. Yeah, the kid shit. Yeah. So um so Zack Snyder Schneider. Uh God, I read an article where someone described the reason why Zack Snyder films don't work anymore and they went into so much detail of his style of filmmaking that I, 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 I got it at the time. Now I fucking totally forgot it all, but it, it was like, it just broke down the way that he makes movies. Okay. Like so. he, he's like, apparently I didn't know this, but he used to make commercials and he made award winning commercials. And so like, it's like he became a commercial um, maker that started making movies. And that's why his movies don't really work anymore is because they're just elongated commercials. That's it. They're trailers. Here we go. So Zack Snyder didn't snap down. He got fired. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Um, he got fired, and then they brought in Joss Whedon. Yeah. And to, to funny it up. To Well, no, to finish the film. Yeah. Um, maybe to lighten it up, but... Um, can, you, can you please Avenger this, Joss? Please? We need an Avengers, Joss. There was a guy that knew that Zack Snyder had been fired, and he couldn't say anything about it until months afterwards. And uh-huh. I think this is what it is. A week after my report, let's see who this is. Um, Revenge of the fans. I, whoever. I don't know who this is. at the end of the article. Uh, Mario Francisco Robles. I think that's the same guy. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that he, he left because of his daughter. Um, what I'm saying is that he got fired, and that the it was just coincidental that his daughter had also. Um, yeah, it, it sounded like it. they didn't want to lose money on the movie from fans coming and seeing the, the you know moviegoers, so they didn't want it to look bad. Like, oh, he's fucking up another movie, so they fired him. Okay, so the word in question is fired. Word started going around uh, certain reporting circles that somewhere along the way, Snyder had been basically fired from Justice League. But everyone was scared to touch the story because it was a bombshell. Um, we knew that the studio would go on a war path if it got out. So we'd talk about it in private and comment on how crazy the situation is, but then we'd accept that we could only address it in vague terms publicly. In my report from last May, and this is prior to uh, Batman V, or I'm sorry, from Justice League coming out, um, I acknowledge that the studio wasn't happy with Snyder's vision and that they were taking big steps towards overhauling the film. But I didn't come out and say that he'd essentially been let go. I knew he'd still be credited as director, and the studio was going to do everything it could to wrap this whole thing up with a bow. A week after my report was published, Warner Brothers made matters way worse. They gave Snyder a public send-off, but they framed it around the personal tragedy of his daughter's suicide. If I couldn't say he'd been cut loose before, now saying so would mean I'm belittling a tragedy. Never mind that I knew that the real reason he was gone was because they didn't trust his vision anymore or because they were unhappy with his early uh, cut. But now they'd taken ownership of the narrative by mentioning this unspeakable tragedy. <clears throat> From that point forward, um, anytime I would mention Whedon was overhauling the film and the, that the version being released in November would essentially be Whedon's cut, people would flip out. They would accuse me of minimizing the death of Autumn. They would <coughs> regurgitate the studio's spin that Whedon was just doing a couple weeks pickup and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I would be treated all kinds of theories and accusations. That was part of the anti-Snyder conspiracy by the evil media. Um, I wasn't alone. Many other reporters were whipped by this backlash any time they tried to address what was happening with the Justice League without mentioning Autumn. 
But what certain people failed to understand at the time was that they weren't omitting Snyder's tragedy out of callous insensitivity. We were omitting it because it wasn't the real reason. Stop using people's personal tragedies as your own way of defending somebody being fired. Mm-hmm. You know, in the months since Justice League's premiere, the truth came out in drips and drabs. Fans instantly learned that we were right that the film wasn't so much a Snyder film, but a mishmash. Um, they saw their, with their own eyes how much of the material shown in the early trailers had been completely cut and realized that all the spin from the studio, the actors, and the producers was a big lie, and the hits have just kept coming. <coughs> from leaked footage to crew members publicly railing against what happened to Snyder's son Eli acknowledging how the film had been hijacked to a full-on campaign by fans of for the Snyder Cut to be released. The fallout has been anything but pretty. And, I mean, that makes perfect sense why, why Ben Affleck's probably not coming back. The latest chapter in the saga began on Saturday when a reporter on his way out from Mashable <laughs> decided to share what had been a se- once been a secret, that Snyder hadn't stepped away because of his family tragedy, but that he'd been fired over creative differences. This is the guy I was talking about, Josh Dickey. <laughs> in regards to, this is, he goes, finally I can, I can, I can go into telling you the real story. Uh-huh. And, uh, over the years, I noticed you could predict Rotten Tomato scores based on studios' behaviors prior to embargo release. This is exactly the kind of story Rotten Tomatoes should be doing, yet they still have no EIC or editorial vision. Isn't that funny? But since I'm shipping, shifting into don't-give-a-fuck mode, here's a hot one for you. Zack Snyder was fired from D.C. <laughs> he couldn't, um, couldn't write it quite that way at the time, but was able to tap dance around it. Clumsy, oblique headline, not mine. Right there, he flatly states, uh, so now the cat's out of the bag. The exact timing was hard to nail down, but his assertion that it was just over a year ago, or assertion, uh, somewhat fits with reports that Snyder had screened the film in January, February, and that it didn't go well. Man. So in that context, the dismissal of Snyder may have come shortly after the screening, which would be a fair amount of time before Autumn's passing in late March. So... Again, one has nothing to do with the other. DC just used that as an excuse. Well, yeah, and I, I think that they <coughs> they didn't want the public to know how fucking much, uh, uh, what do you want to call it, chaos that was going on behind the scenes. Right. And they didn't want to lose a bunch more money on the film by all this negative press, so they they covered it up with this shit. And then, you know, hoping that the movie would be okay. And then they throw, oh, they're going to throw Joss Whedon in there to help out since this family tragedy, right? Right. And then, oh, well, hey, Joss Whedon's on board. I mean, the, the thought process is, well, look what he did with the Avengers, right? So then people are like, okay, maybe, you know, the, everything's going to work out just great. And then we get what we got. Right. Uh, Which uh, is still garbage. Yeah, a movie that was fucking, what, I would say 85 to 90% just shit. So... Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this guy's always been saying this. Uh, Warner Brothers has a tricky way of getting rid of directors. They left or creative differences. And the narrative is that they couldn't see eye to eye, so they amicably split. Mm-hmm. It's always that the director exited and never that Warner Brothers put them in a situation where they have to compromise. <laughs> I first took note of this in 2015 when reading Kerry Fukunaga's, uh, Fukunaga's uh, explanation of why he left the director's chair for Stephen King's hit. Well, Go read the summary for the what he wanted the movie to be, mm-hmm. and go figure it out from there. Um, 
I was trying to make an unconventional horror film. It didn't fit into the algorithm of what they knew they could spend and money back, make money back based on not offering their standard genre audience. Our budget was perfectly fine. <laughs> we were always hovering around the $32 million mark. It was the creative that we were battling. Um, it was being rejected. Every little thing was being rejected and asked for changes. <laughs> By the way, <coughs> Fukunaga's version of it has nothing to do with Stephen King's version. Mm-hmm. It was completely different. Yeah. Um, so th- they fired him. Anyways, uh, similar things have happened with Michelle McLaren, Seth Graham Smith, Rick Fumuya- Fumuyiwa, and Ben Affleck. Um, and almost James Wan and Matt Reeves. And I'm, I'm not a big fan of James Wan, so um, all took turns walking away from perspective DC Universe movies. Uh, I outlined these DC director defecation, defections, <laughs> not defecations. Um, anyways, uh, this is all, all to say that Zack Snyder's exit went one of two ways. Following the rough cut in early 17, he was promptly told to pack his bags and, and, and go. Vamos, buckaroo. They then brought in Whedon in a situation that mirrors what happened with Rogue One, where Lucasfilm took the film out of Gareth Edwards' hands, brought in Tony Gilroy, and then gave Edwards full credit for being a team player. He stayed on past the initial negative response, who was already com- compromised rough cut with the full intention of working all of the studio's notes and additions, only to ultimately re- reach a breaking point where he just didn't want to go on with it any further. Uh, if the latter, is a- the latter is accurate, one could say that Autumn's passing was a legitimate part of his exit, but more so because it just broke the back of his patience with the studio. Imagine having to work on a film that your bosses keep micromanaging while also having to carry the weight of such tragedy. Um, blah, 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 blah. So really what it comes down to is, and of course the self-serving photograph, <laughs> um, I honestly believe it's the former rather than the latter. Which is, Snyder was told, pack your shit and get out, yeah. you're done. Um, and this is backed up based off of the um, uh, the person that was put in charge, her name of, um, I can't remember, she was in charge of the DC Universe, uh, DC Universe uh, female, uh, like president, fired. Uh, Dan Nelson? Yeah, maybe her. I, I can't remember. It was just like recently. It wasn't that long ago, but she, 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 she was there, and then she said, "You know, I'm taking a leave of absence," type of thing. Diane Nelson. That's it, right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was her. Uh, she's the DC Entertainment president and left, leaving her position as head of Warner Brothers' own comic book publisher after a two month leave of absence, which means that she got fired. Mm-hmm. So she had to take a leave of absence, and then she got fired because they had already planned on getting getting rid of her, which yeah. means that she's part of the Zack Snyder fallout, unfortunately. Um, and there's Wonder Woman right behind her. So um, they don't know why she's one of the better um, executives, said Nelson needed time to recharge and would return at an unspecified date, which doesn't make any sense. Um there is, I haven't, Diane Nelson. But like, so I'm, I'm, after reading all those tweets and, and like this guy's like, I, I knew this was going on, but I couldn't say anything about it because blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, why? 
Why would you sit? Why? Why did? Why did you have a? Why couldn't you say anything about it? Well, he explained why it it would look a certain way if he did. No, this. I'm talking about the guy that initially reported it. Oh, why uh, he was in don't give a fuck mode, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm sworn to secrecy and I can't say anything, but this is the reason. Maybe someone gave him a good talking to. I don't know. Good, gave him a good talking to for what? He still spilled the beans afterwards. Yeah, but he didn't do it during. Who cares? That doesn't make any sense to me. If you fucking have to sit on a story like that, mm-hmm. fuck them. Well, I'm, I would. Okay, I mean, it. If you noticed a lot of these, like, uh, you know, like uh, what is it, uh, uh, Nerdist and uh, and Den of Geek and stuff like that, or ain't it cool news? They can't. Um, they don't want to rub certain. Uh, movie companies the wrong way, you know, by giving bad reviews and shit, because otherwise they'll be cut out of certain opportunities and you know and 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 things like that and access. Oh well, I I, I and look I, you know I think you you know if you're a journalist you have to maintain uh, the integrity of a journalist. Absolutely, that's that's the whole point I'm trying yeah. to make is that you're a journalist that reports on entertainment and now now your integrity is in question. And I don't. I'm in. Yeah. Don't give a fuck mode. Well, I guess in the world we live in now seems to be always about who you know and who you blow. And it's gone from politics to entertainment, journalism, and everything around it. Um, so there's less and less integrity all around us, man. So none of this shit surprises me. None of it. You know, it. Everyone's out for themselves, and that's why they do it. He, 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 okay, okay, but what you just said was it's all who you know and who you blow, and now it's everybody for themselves. So what is it? Well, it's it's opportunism, opportunism, right? Like like he's not going to spill the beans on this shit at that first. Would be op- that, but that's not opportunism. That's sitting on a story for a year before even releasing yeah, any information. Because maybe they, they, you know, there's someone from the studio or whatever said something about you know don't fucking say anything. About this, and then maybe you'll have access to this and that later on. Okay, but that's not being oppor- that's not opportunism. That's the exact opposite. What would you call it then? The exact opposite of opportunism, which is he sat on the story when it was hot and ready to go, and then when he was leaving the company, he decided to spill the beans. That's 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 a that's not being that's not opportun. Well, it may be opportunistic in in the sense of. But it's it's not opportunistic in, in the sense of anything other than you know it that's that's the what you just said of um, uh, every every man for himself that's what it's all about. Well, I, maybe he weighed you know, look. This is all speculation, of course. But I, what if he weighed his options and things would have worked better for him as long as he was with you know in this position with DC or whatever you know to 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 write stories about them or something maybe. Um, that it was just better for him at the time before he left the the, the company um, to keep his mouth shut. He's a reporter. Yeah, it's his duty. I I, I agree. I agree with you one hundred fucking percent. I do. But the world we live in now, I just see more selfish selfishness. But that's not selfish. That's that's that has nothing to do with being selfish. If he didn't release a story, that that's not being for selfish. Own personal. Desires and things like that. Then I, I don't know, man. That, that's what, that's what do you want to call it? Maybe. It's not selfish, but it's it. 
I, I'm with you on this thing, you know, but it's it's kind of devil's advocate. I have to somebody has to play it on this one, which is what kind of bullshit is this? <laughs> it, it's like, dude, look. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, with the I, ain't a cool news thing, yeah, because but they still had people that were reporting stuff. Like the way I, you know, the way that this world, I, I see the I want the world to be is. Let the truth be told, though the heavens fall, kind of thing. Right? right. But they don't go. They don't do that anymore. They. They. It's all about what. What you know. What have you done for me lately? It is what. What can I get out of this? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. They don't care about what. What. You know, what am I going to get out of this? Yeah. But then all of a sudden he leaves the company and then and drops this fucking bombshell of Zack Snyder mm-hmm. that he quote unquote has been sitting on and promised never to tell. Yeah. Or promised not to tell at the time. Uh-huh. Fuck you, dude. You. You're <laughs> fucking. You're a fucking journalist, and frankly, I think you're a piece of shit. That's why journalism is dying, man. It's one of the reasons why journalism is dying. You this know? fucking integrity bullshit. You know, I have integrity, except for when, you know, it, it suits other people. Mm-hmm. You, well, you don't have integrity, because yeah. you sat on this fucking news story, and, and everybody had to sit on this news story for f- for fear of backlash. Oh, well, we're afraid because if we say something about it, then all the fans are going to say something. All the, all the fans are going to come out of the woodwork and say we're just, you know, we're, we're being insensitive to Zack Snyder yeah. and his, in his time yeah. of mourning. Yeah, I mean, just... He like, got I, fucking fired, and one has nothing to do with the other. I know, other. but I, that's why I brought up uh, Any Cool News. Look at Harry, what Harry Knowles was doing. He was purposely giving movies good reviews that were shit. You know, just so yeah, that yeah, he, yeah. he could keep getting in good with the company, with the studios. Right, but that was later on. Early on, everything was cool. Yeah. You know, no pun intended. Everything was, I, I liked the site. I used to go to the site all the time. Well, I used to go to the site quite a bit with the rumors and yada yada. But a long from, time ago, I went to the site, like like a de- like near a decade ago. Yeah, but after that, it just, it, it he never fixed it, never updated it, yeah. never streamlined it to make it look good. It was it, It's a fucking bandwidth hog, all this other shit. And then the accusations started coming out. That was last year. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and, and as always, man, we give way too much uh, acknowledgement to DC. <laughs> and this shit. I'm actually excited about Shazam. Shazam is one of my favorite characters. All right. What about Aquaman? No. Yeah, I, I like. I, I'm sorry. Yes, because of Black Manta. Okay. I like I like Momoa, but uh, you got to show me something. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep seeing it this way until something better happens. And so until you show me something, I don't give a fuck what the trailer does. You know what I mean? I, Shazam does look funny though. I hope it can keep that. It can maintain that style. But um, I don't know. I don't really know anything about Shazam, so I can't really be too judgmental over it. Uh, the glass trailer um, looks really fucking good. Um, I yeah, I was excited about that. Yeah, I. That was cool. I mean, especially as someone who saw Unbreakable in theaters, you know, that long ago, 18 years ago, and just to see all these these characters come together and, you know, and, and split, you know, splits connected to it. It's just, that's fucking cool, man. Uh, uh, what was it? The uh, the Overlord trailer, um, that one with the Nazi uh, Nazi zombies uh, in World War II, looks interesting and looks fucking creepy. Uh, Alita Battle Angel. What do you think about that one? Uh, I'm interested and I want to see it. Yeah. The only problem is it comes out on the 21st, which is the same time that um, I think uh, the Marwin movie and Aquaman come out. Um, yeah, we'll see. December 21st, December 21st. Yeah, so um, one of those does. Um, there was one I, a trailer I saw that um, actually stood out to me. Uh, it's called Mid-90s. Have you seen it? Uh, it's written and directed by Jonah Hill. 
And it's about a kid in the mid nineties and <laughs> dealing with the shit he's dealing with. Right. And he filmed it purposely in eight and sixteen millimeter to give it this um, rough look to it. And it, dude, it looks real. Like, I mean, like real characters, real dialogue. Um, you know, you know, kids are um, like kids in real life, especially in L.A. where this movie's set. There's no filters. They're gonna talk like they talk, and it's not gonna be all. PG and PG-13 style. They're going to be open about everything and just blurt it out. And uh, this trailer looks really interesting. And uh, so um, you get a chance to check that one out. I think you might like it. It looks like uh, it could be a runner um, to compete with uh, White Boy Rick in a way. You know, when it goes to that nostalgia style kind of thing. Um, Saw the full Fantastic Beast trailer. Um, Looks good, but, you know, the the first one eh, was okay. It It wasn't bad, but I, you know, I'm still holding reservations on that shit. Uh, and then uh, you had a uh, what was it? You 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 sent me news about the Dread Mega City One um, TV series, right? That uh, the uh, guy who Rob Williams who uh, had uh, he's been writing for them for for 2000 AD for a while now. Uh, he's uh, <coughs> script for for the series has been completed. Yeah, for the pilot or for the series or for the series, which I just said. I know you said it, but I read an article headline and it says just for the pilot. Completed series has been completed. Um, I've read the pilot script by Rob and the team and got that same thrill I did when I discovered Judge Dredd. Um, I'm very pleased with how the whole project is coming together. There's still a long way to go as the series has yet to be picked up. Uh, One of the last things we heard about the project was Carl Urban's was in talks to join the series and reprise his role. However... This is not a Judge Dread yeah. TV show. It's just going to be it's, part of it. It's yeah. There's it's a big place with 400 million stories to tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I'm on board, man. Especially if they can grab things from the comic books that they uh, they didn't do in the movies because you know there was only two movies <laughs> technically, and one was way too goofy, or way too Schneidery, <laughs> huh. too Rob Schneidery. Um, but yeah, I I I want to see it, man. If they can do it in the same similar style that uh, that Dread from twenty uh, twenty thirteen, or did it come out at the end of twenty twelve, whatever, you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, if they can do it in the same similar style, I'm I'm, I'm definitely on board. And if I Carl, don't know when did I start when 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 did I get fired from Nissan? <laughs> okay, um, well, I yeah yeah, so it was like twenty twelve then when Dread came out. Yeah. So um, yeah, you were there when Future had already taken over, right? No, I was there after Future had taken over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that would be 2012 then, probably into 2013. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I'm on board, man. I hope uh, I hope it's going to kick ass if they, if it does get picked up and everything. You know, long time coming. Okay. Shit. Anything else? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Mike Cernovich is an asshole. Mike Cernovich is an asshole. That's all I got. <laughs> That's it. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.